Hello, and welcome to New Hope Christian Fellowship with Pastor John Gilbert. Wednesday, may it have sung three like praise songs with us this morning. And, you know, different musicians or singers, they like to sing hymns or praise songs or choruses, you know. We like to vary them. And I, I like singing them. Everybody's got a favourite song, haven't they? Favourite hymn? Anybody want to sing one? Nah, not in front of everybody. I was singing one yesterday, and uh, I love singing it. I don't know if I'm not going to embarrass myself. I could sing it now, you know. But sometimes I don't know the words all in a chronological order. I like sing. How lovely is thy dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs and yearns for your cause. And I would rather be a doorkeeper in your house. Do you know that one? You know that, Jackie? Well, I heard it once, and I thought, oh, I like that song, and I wanted to sing it, and I learnt it off by heart, and I like, and I don't sing it that often now, but I used to, but I like to sing a song. I like to sing a song of praise, and I, I used to do it a lot more than I do now. And now I try to sing an old song and I think, I've forgotten the words. I've forgotten the order. Don't you get like that? Is it my age or is it because I'm not singing it enough that I would remember and, and keep repeating it? But in the Bible, I'm going to tell you, there are many calls to praise the Lord. There are many calls. And if you notice, that uh, if you go to the book of Joshua and you go, some of the armies of God used to go out into war singing praises. Did you know that? And, and even in this country they used to do it. Like I found out, for example, you know that song, we sing it at Christmas, Oh come, all ye faithful. Do you know that one? You know it well. So, I think it was Body Prince Charlie, This, whether he was a prince or a king, I do not know, but his army used to go into battle singing a tune sounded like that. You know, come all ye faithful. But the Bible exalts us to praise the Lord. And the thing is, we do. We, we might sing pop songs or, or rock and roll songs or whatever, but we don't praise the Lord enough. And, and if you're a Christian, if you're a believer, do you think you should? Paul, there you go. And Paul's the sort of bloke that I can imagine he going out on his bike or going to work praising the Lord. Is that right, Paul? I'm going to read to you some testimonies in the Scriptures to praise God. Go to Psalm. 63, 63, it says, I'm going to read a few to you. 
because we're to do what the Word of God says, right? So Psalm <coughs> 63. O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee, my flesh longeth for thee, in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water, to see the power and thy glory, so as I have seen thee in the sanctuary, because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. Thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. Now who says that? As David. That's the king of Israel, right? King David is saying, that's what I'd rather do. In a dry and wet... Is, is, is he proud that he thinks, oh no, I don't want to sing songs because that's for children, you know? That's for the Sunday school? No, he's happy to praise the Lord. Turn to Psalm 71 and verse 8. It says here, 71. Let me get there. And I think this is David again. He just wants to praise God. Verse 8. Let my mouth be filled with thy praise and with thy honour all the day. Just for breakfast? Just for lunch? All the day. He's going to sing praises to God all day. Verse 14. But I will hope continually and will yet praise thee more and more and more. As if the whole day ain't enough, he wants to praise more. Turn over the page. Verse 22 says, I will also praise thee with the salt me, even thy truth, O my God. Unto thee will I sing with the harp, O thou Holy One of Israel. My lips shall greatly rejoice when I sing unto thee, and my soul, which thou hast redeemed. My tongue also shall talk of thy righteousness all the day long, for they are for they are confounded, for they are brought unto shame that seek my hurt. David wants to praise God. That's what he wants to do when he's not in the temple. You know, but what about you? Do you like to pray? Psalm 119. Psalm 119. Listen to this. Seven times a day, verse 164. Seven times a day do I praise thee because of thy righteous judgments. Do you like praising the Lord? Eh? Just two of us. Yeah? Me, Paul, Nika and Margie. Oh, Jackie put a finger up. Oh, right, I didn't hear you. Do you like to praise the Lord? Yeah. Well, look. We're also, I mean, they, those were testimonies, what I've just read to you. Now, I'm going to give you a few psalms where all of us, all of us are invited to come and praise the Lord. Psalm 107, Dominic. Psalm 107. Well, she'll be praising the Lord in heaven, won't she, Liam? Yeah. 107 verse 8, right, it says this, 
Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. And, and who is this? It doesn't say who it is. Oh, that men, that includes women, would praise the Lord, everyone. Do you know what? The Lord Jesus, when he was rejected by Israel, do you know what he said? I'm going to tell you, this is in my thinking. He said something like this, You will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. If the children of Israel said that, I'm telling you, the whole nation, I reckon Jesus will return. I've not read that or someone's told me that, it's just what I believe. If the nation, if people would say, praise God, you know, the, the nation of Israel, I think the Lord will start to want to come back. What could happen if all of us could rejoice in the Lord and sing praises unto his name throughout every day of the week ahead? Do you think he'd get excited? I think so. I'm going to read another verse, verse 15. Same psalm. 107. And he repeats himself, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Verse 21. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. And he repeats himself. Verse 31. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for the wonderful works to the children of men. And he repeats himself. God, the psalmist, the word of God is inviting people. Oh, that men, mankind, women as well, would praise the Lord. Do you do it? I remember being a little boy, going to St George's School in Enfield, Enfield Town, where I was brought up. And while I was there, you have a school assembly, don't you, at school? You go to school? Anybody have school assembly? I remember we used to sing praise songs like hymns and things. Nowadays, I don't know what they do. But I remember singing as a little boy. Do you remember this one? Dance, dance, wherever you may be. All right, do you remember that? Hey? I am the Lord of the dance, said he. And I was singing that, and the headmaster was walking around the audience. I say audience, the, the kids in the school. He was walking around, and he stopped. And he came back, and he heard me singing. And I thought, oh, no, what have I done wrong? Because he weren't afraid to get the cane out, this bloke, right? He said, you, up on the stage. I'm singing dance <laughs> to the whole school. A couple of other kids, there were three of us. But he liked my singing. I went to the headmaster's office once. I don't know what I went for, went there for. But a nun had turned up from our children's zone. I don't know which nun. He said, John, sing away in a manger. <laughs> he liked hearing me sing. He's probably the only bloke I've ever met that does like to hear me sing. Oh, I, I used to sing 
Did you? Well, I sung it, Liam. I sung it to the headmaster and to a nun. Away in the manger. There we go. And I'm sure the Lord loved it to hear those praise songs. I'm telling you people, praise is the best thing you can ever do. Praise the Lord. It's the best thing you can do. You might find yourself on a stage singing to everybody. You know? It's better to praise than to panic. Who likes panicking? No one. You've watched Dad's Army, haven't you? You've heard Jonesy. Don't panic. Yeah? Don't panic. You've heard that. It's better to praise than to be pessimistic. Huh? You pessimistic? People like hanging around you? It's better to praise than to be problem conscious. Because these are all negatives. And we live in a world of negative atmosphere, don't we? We go to work and some people are negative. We go out shopping and, and, and you spent 100 quid on a pair of shoes and they've gone and fallen apart, haven't they, Mick Tipper? Yeah. And you've got a problem because you spent your 100 quid and you'd rather be, rather be walking in a nice pair of shoes singing praises. You don't want problems. Today, I'm going to talk about praise. I'm also going to talk about these issues that stop us praising. Like, for example, panicking, right? It's better to praise than to panic, all right? It's easy, consider this. <coughs> Isn't it easy? <coughs> Hold on. Hold on, Liam. It's easy to praise when everything's going well, isn't it? True? When you're happy, if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. When you're happy, you clap your hands, you, you tap your foot because you're happy. You sing praises, don't you, at the back? Everybody does. But when things don't go well, when things are going a bit dodgy, when things aren't going well, just stop praising. It's a good question. It's, it's a good thing to think about. When things aren't hunky-dory, do you shut up? And you panic. Oh, dearie me, what am I going to do? Eh? What do you do? Jesus said, John 16, 33, he said this, In this world, you will have, what? Troubles, tribulation. Does that mean you stop praising? Well, well, Nika. Well, that's what we like to hope so, and that's what we like to think. But, tribulation 
and troubles cause panic. And we have what we call panic producers. They're all around us. We're beset by these panic producers every day. <coughs> For example, my right foot is giving me a lot of grief. I've, I've damaged a tendon on the back of my heel, my leg. And I'm not happy about it. And I, this week I had to put my robo boot on. And I was walking around like a robot. People all kind of looking at me. It's been, I've, had, I've been in pain two and a half years and they've only just noticed I've got this funny boot on so they're saying, you hurt your foot. I hurt it two and a half years ago. Right? And I'm panicking a little bit because when I see this guy at the physio, I want him to do the right thing. It just caused a bit of panic in me. Because I don't want a dodgy foot for the rest of my life. So problems with your health produces panic, doesn't it? I bet you're going to agree with me because we're not all 100% healthy, are we? Well, Maya is, she can, she done 64 miles. Well, no, 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 26 on her 64th birthday. Margie's going to do 85 on her next birthday. No, she's panicking about that. We have problems with our health. Right? So we panic about it because we think, say your heart misses a beat every hour. Yeah? That's a health condition, isn't it? You're going to start panicking about it, aren't you? Doctor, what's the matter with you? Oh, my heart's skipping a beat. I'm worried about it. You panic. But I What about your family? Everybody got a happy family? Well, we like to think so, don't we? But families, well, we got brothers and sisters and aunties and uncles and granddads and grandmas and all of that. You get a family, you get problems. Oh, he's wearing my clothes! You know, or she's nicked my airbrush, or you get problems in families. And we like to think everything's hunky-dory. But you've got a family, you can have a few issues. Maybe not your family's got issues, but at some point in time, you have the odd ding-dong. That causes panic, doesn't it? What about money? We all want money in our pocket, in our wallet, in our purse. We all want a roof over our head. We all want a pension or something like that that will keep us going till we pop our clogs. Don't we? But what if the money's not there? Oh no! Hit the panic button! Yes? You understand me. Suddenly, the joy's gone. The praises are gone. Because we're worried. I ain't got no money. What am I going to do? I'm going on holiday to Rome. I've only got no money in my wallet. I'm going to take my hat to chest spreads and have vision chips. I've got no money. Start to worry. Start to panic. That's what we do. And if it's not our health, if it's not our families, if it's not our finances, it's other people. Yes? You go, oh, I went out with David yesterday in the car, driving down to Nash Mills. 
Someone gave us the finger out the car. Didn't they, David? For no reason. It's, it's the sort of thing where a bit of road rage could, could mount up in your heart and think, let's go get him. Yeah? And then he gets out the car with a shotgun, hit the panic button. You know what I'm saying? Praise is gone because suddenly we're in a situation which is out of control. Do you understand me? <sighs> panic can hit any one of us at any time. But we don't, you don't want to hang on to it because it deepens the troubles. It affects all the areas of our lives. So how can, how can one praise God when you're at that panic point? How can we do it? Well, firstly, the best thing to do firstly is to remember God loves us. In spite of what we're going through, God loves us. You know, you remember Job. If anybody was going to hit the panic button in the Bible, it's Job. He lost everything. The family, the business, the home, <coughs> his own health. Did he hit the panic button? Doesn't say it at all in this. What did he say? Everything's gone, he says. The Lord give. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The wife wanted him to curse God. She was saying, hit the panic button, curse God and die. That's what she was saying. He said, woman, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That should be us. And for a while, he had a tough time. What about the death of Jesus? Jesus on the cross? Did Jesus hit the panic button at any time? No. He held his calm. He held his ground. He looked around. He saw all those crucifying him and causing him grief, causing him trouble. He said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They didn't know who he was, but he didn't hit that panic button. But what about us? What about us? Only you know what you've been up to in the last week. Let me move on. Second point. It's better to praise than to be pessimistic. I don't know. <clears throat> I don't know what sort of Christian you are behind closed doors. I don't know what you've been up to. I don't know how you conduct yourself at work or with other people. Unless someone phones me up and says, Oi, John, you want to, that person that goes to your church, yeah, you want to know what they're like when they're not at church on Sunday. I'll say, Well, you want to tell me? Come on, let's have a, let's have a listen. <laughs> I'll tell you something. That reminds me of a story. Dominic's dad, I was going to the church, I'm going back 20 years, right? Someone come up to it. Dominic's dad said, that Johnny G goes to your church, right? Graham said, yeah, what about him? Do you know what they said to him? I've seen him coming out of a sex shop, right? <laughs> Graham come up to me, said, John, come here. I said, what? 
He said, I was talking to someone the other day. They said they see you coming out of the sex shop. I started laughing. <laughs> I said, do you have a laugh, Graham? He said, no. He said, I did they? I said, Graham, don't you know me? <laughs> what I'm trying to say, Pete, that they did, I didn't go in a sex shop, right? I'm just letting you know, so that you don't take my words out of context. But people think they know you. People think they can say what they like about you. You understand me? Okay? But they didn't see me. I hadn't been in there. <laughs> Sorry, it's not in my notes, but what I'm trying to say is people are looking at you. People are examining you. And people, I'm telling you, they're talking about you. But what are they saying? Do they know you? Do they think, oh, yeah, yeah, that person's pessimistic. They do my head in. Do you know? We just don't know. However, they might be true. They might be real. To some people, and I'm warning you people, pessimism can become a way of life. Some Christians, I'm going to tell you the truth, naturally, they're grumblers. Naturally, as a person, they grumble, they moan. And they don't care. And they, they're happy to find fault with everything that's going on around them. Everything. They moan as a matter of choice. Because you don't have to moan. You can praise the Lord. You can do. We read it in here, an invitation to praise. Oh, that men would praise God. It's a matter of choice, isn't it, David? Oh, that men, and I'm talking to you women, would praise the Lord. But some people are, oh, no, no, no. I want to praise God. Let's have a good old moan, shall we, Liam? Yeah. yeah, have a good old moan. Have a good old time of complaining, eh? Some people don't do monkeys. There we go. I was thinking about this. I'm thinking, is there anyone in the Bible that liked moaning? Right? Well, what came to me, the lady that took the alabaster jar, which we know it cost a lot of money, didn't it? The, the perfume, do you remember? And she brought it to Jesus. She cracked it open, poured it over his head, the perfume, and who started moaning? There you go. What did he say? It was a year's wages and wasted. Poured it and, and the Lord thought, she's anointed me for my burial. But he didn't see that. He says, that's a, that's a year's worth of money. She just wasted it on the on the, on him, the Lord Jesus. And the Lord rebuked him, said, "Leave her alone. What she has done, as long as this gospel will be proclaimed, what she has done will be proclaimed also." Right? So, there you got a moaning person. Do you want to be identified as a Judas? I don't think so. Anyway. I'm going to say this to you. Pessimism, if you let it get into you, 
it will destroy your faith because it is the opposite of living by faith. Someone said, don't know who said it, but someone said pessimism is doubt in action. And that made me think of something else. I thought, who is the doubtful disciple in the Bible? Thomas. And you take Thomas, all the disciples are excited about the resurrected Christ and hearing and knowing that Jesus is risen from the dead. What does Thomas say? Until I see him with my own eyes and put my finger in them wounds and put my hand in his side, I will not believe. Didn't he say that? He was being pessimistic. I'm thinking about it. Then I done a Google. And then I had a look and he, he said that Moses was pessimistic at one point. He said that Elijah was pessimistic. And I thought about it. I thought, it's right. Men of God became pessimistic. When God was calling Moses to go to Egypt to do this grand mission, grand mission, he was pessimistic about himself. You don't want me? I can't even speak properly. I'm not eloquent. You must be, look, you're talking to the wrong person. When God was dealing with Elijah and Jezebel got her, her fingers on him or her claws in him, he started getting all pessimistic and said, I'm the only one left. I'm the only one left. The Lord said, hold on a minute, I've reserved 7,000 for myself. Well, I started thinking, if these men of God could be pessimistic, what about you? What about us? Oh, could be us. Could be us. Psalm, no, 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 Romans 1.17 says that the just shall live by faith. Pessimism says, I don't believe in God. But the word of God, as I said, the just shall live by faith. Are you the just who will live by faith? Or are you the unjust who is backslidden and says, no, I'm going to be pessimistic? Eh? Faith in Christ will enable us to expect the best. Is that what you want? Well, that's what I like. And I'm reminded once again of them famous words from Romans 8.28. And what does it say? Anybody know? Jackie's got a very quiet voice and I'm going to repeat what she said. 828. We've got to believe the best and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. You see, if we expect the best, right? If we expect the best, whatever happens, whatever circumstance we go through, if it's not to our liking, we shouldn't flinch. We sh it shouldn't rattle us. We shouldn't panic. We shouldn't be pessimistic. 
My third issue is this. My third point is that it's better to praise than to be problem conscious. I'm going to start rushing, right? We all have problems, don't we? Yes. Is the world a perfect place? Are people perfect? I'm glad you're helping me do the sermon, aren't you? Um, well, not in this church. We're all perfect here, aren't we? What is the problem? The problem is there was a fall. In Genesis chapter 3, Adam fell, Eve fell, took the fruit, forbidden fruit, encouraged her husband to take it, creation fell. But we do not focus on what is wrong, do we? Well, we like to think we don't, but we do. We're fooling ourselves. Are we perfect? We do get upset. For example, the woman out there, Gemma, what happened a month ago, upset us. Upset you, Nico. Upset the ladies. Upset Astrid. Upset all of us. The devil would have us to focus on the upset. Oh, I'm hurt. My feelings are hurt. Blah, blah. You know, the devil would have us to do that. Because what that will then do, it will prevent us moving on in the spirit of the Lord. That's what it will do. And the devil would love that. And I was thinking, well, how do we get around this? How do we overcome problems? How do we overcome issues? Because these issues come. To all of us, every day, whether you're at college or school or work or church, these problems come. And I've discovered an antidote. I've discovered a way to get through this. And it's Paul the Apostle. Paul says how to overcome faithless pessimism and, and, and issues where we keep looking at the problems. Go to Philippians chapter chapter 4 and it says this. This is Paul's antidote and his way of us to move forward, all of us. It says here, Philippians 4, 6. Be careful for... Well, the trouble is we're careful for everything. We worry about everything. But he's saying, be careful for nothing. Don't worry. That's what he's, another way of saying is, stop worrying. Don't worry about all these things. They're going to happen. Don't let it bother you. Yes? Don't let it bother you. Listen to what he says. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. So we're, we've got a problem. We've got an issue. We're upset. Should we dwell on it? Should we get negative about it? Should we get pessimistic about it? Should we hit the panic button? No. We've got to be set apart. Paul the Apostle is telling us 
do this. Be careful for nothing. Let it go over your head. And you know that saying, like water off a duck's back. We should be like that. Problems come, problems are going to come every day. Like, But let it go. Like water off a duck's back. Check this out. Listen carefully. He said, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. To God. Listen to this then. Verse 7, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. How many people have gone crazy, yeah, into some sort of mental institution or prison or been locked up because, because they've got no peace? How many people? How many people that don't believe in Jesus? Because it tells us in verse 6, look, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, in, with, uh, with thanksgiving let your request be made to, known to God. How many people go see a psychiatrist because they don't believe in the word of God, they don't believe in Jesus, and they're cracking up because they hit the panic button? So someone said, go see wonky psychiatrist, and they go there because they're a nervous wreck. And he says, oh, mate, mate, I can't deal with your issues. Go see the doctor. He'll give you a load of tablets. Take them. You won't know who you are for the rest of your life. You'll be all right. I'm not doing that. I'd rather go to God with a prayer and have peace that surpasses what am I doing? By doing that, I'm trusting God. That's what Paul's saying. Trust in the Lord in everything. Doesn't the proverb say, trust in God, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on? In all your ways acknowledge him and he will. There we go, the word of God tells us how to live our lives. Check this out, verse 8. Look, verse 8, finally. Brethren, I've got five minutes. Whatever things are true, whatever things are honest, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Right? Are you stressed out? Have you hit the panic button? <laughs> what? You're stressed at work? There you go, Mika. That's your prescription for the week. Take it three times, seven times a day. Hey, what about everyone else? Are you stressed? Have you hit the panic button? Are you pessimistic, Paul? No, optimistic. <laughs> right, now, listen to this. I was thinking about this all. been going over and over in it. So, what was the Bible passage that I read? Acts 16. Acts 16. What happened? Right, there you go. 
but before that, they got a vision, Paul got a vision, come over to Macedonia. God wanted them in Macedonia, right? So they had a sense of purpose, right? So they go to Macedonia, he's talking about going down on a boat, follow it by Troas or somewhere like that. They get over there, they have a prayer meeting at Philippi, in the open air, don't they? They meet Lydia. What happens to Lydia? God opened her heart. She got converted. She got born again. What happened after that? They're walking around, Philippi, I think, and there's a woman with a dodgy spirit, right? What did she say? Well, before that, they kept, she followed them around for a few days saying, these are men of the Most High God that will tell you the way of salvation. That's what she kept doing that. And Paul got irritated, right? He lost his peace of mind that surpasses all understanding for a moment and he rebuked the spirit, didn't he? The spirit came out and what happened? She, that, that her masters made money because of this ability that she had. They were making money out of her. And when they realised that they could not make any more money, what happened? They hit the panic button. And they had a bit of a riot, didn't they? And they took them to the marketplace, they went before the magistrates, the magistrates freaked out, they hit the panic button, and they tore their clothes. What happened to Paul and Silas? They go to prison. And they say to the prisoner, prison officer, it's to keep them safely. And I was wondering, what, keep them safely? He put them in the inner prison so that they weren't going to get out. And they were in stocks, stocks, chains. What time of day was it? Midnight hour. So were they going to hit the panic button? Were they going to get pessimistic? Were they going to get problem conscious? No. It's Paul the Apostle. He told us in Philippians chapter 4 verse 6, he told us his principles of living a Christian life. So at 12 o'clock at night, Nika said, they prayed. They praised. And it says, not only they praised, the other prisoners heard them. You see what's going on? The pro this is what I'm going to say. Every one of us, whether we're young five-year-olds, three-year-olds, or whether we're going to be 85, we are all going to experience these problems. We are all going to go through these issues. Whether we go to college or university, we're going to be faced with these problems. What are we going to do? Praise the Lord. We're not going to hit that panic button, are we? We're not going to be pessimistic, are we? We're not going to be problem conscious, are we? We're going to pray to the Lord. We're going to offer up prayers and supplication with thanksgiving. So, Paul's in prison with... Pardon? Yes! Yes! <laughs> We're going to do what Paul does. We're going to do what Paul recommends. Because Paul 
you know, him and Silas could have said, they could have been in that cold, midnight, stocks and trees, looking at each other, and Silas could have said, Paul, are you sure you had a vision of coming over here? Yeah, I'm telling you, I had a vision of going to Martha. Mate, I don't believe you anymore, mate. Do you think we've been blessed by God? Well, it don't feel like it, does it? No, we don't. Here we are. We're really cold. We're in these stocks. We're in these chains. I'm not happy about this anymore. You understand me? There's someone hitting the panic button. There's someone being pessimistic. There's someone who's taken their eye off God and they've become problem conscious. And God's going to say, oh, I don't like that. Oh, I don't like that. I'm backing out of this. Do you understand me? But they didn't do that. They praised God. Sing praises unto God. Sing praises. It's the midnight hour. Yeah? They praised the Lord. God loved it. God loved it. And God started enjoying it. And then the next thing, there's an earthquake because God got excited. And then the jailers are going down the years, all the commotion, and he's thinking, oh, no, they're broken out of prison. I'm going to be executed. I might as well kill myself. So he draws his sword. He's going to fall on his sword. Does God want that? Does Paul want that? Hey! Do yourself no harm. We're all here. They weren't interested in running out of prison. Yes, sir. Paul, what must I do to be saved? Don't we want people to come up to us and say, can you tell me what I must do to be saved? Your heart has to be in the right place. You have to praise and worship God with the right attitude. Don't hit that panic button. Don't be pessimistic. Don't be problem conscious. And God knows that you are able to deliver someone else out of darkness. Do you understand me? God is showing us the blueprint of how to see people getting saved. And all we have to do is put it into practice. And we will see people getting born again. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we do thank you. We do praise you today. And would you forgive us for being pessimistic and problem conscious and, and we panic from week to week. Lord, as a church, we repent. And we ask, Lord, that you will help us to, to look to the men of God like Paul, Lord, and, and to put the right things into practice so that we might praise you, honour you, and that we might even see people like a jailer and Lydia saved, Lord, because we're doing what pleases you. Help us to do these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. What we gonna Thank you for joining us today. We meet at Grove Hill Community Center at 11.30 p.m. in Hemel Hempstead. God bless you.